Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. So great to be with you. And our title today is, What Would I Say to My 25, 35, and 45-Year-Old Self? That is, what would I say to my 25, 35, or 45-Year-Old Self? This was actually, uh, this topic was sent to me by a friend of mine who's been in leadership for 40, 45 years. And uh, what a phenomenal topic. I've so enjoyed thinking about it uh, and preparing for this podcast. In fact, let me encourage you, if you have a great topic which you think uh, would work for a podcast that will stretch me and maybe take me in some new directions, uh, let me invite you to send me uh, that, that topic. Go to askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org. That's askpete at emotionallyhealthy.org because anytime I get a fresh topic like this one, it pulls out of me uh, some hard lessons and insights, and I learn a great deal. So it's a gift to uh, listeners, and it's a gift to me as well and all of EH discipleship. So again, what would I say to my 25, 35, or 45-year-old self? Let me make a few introductory remarks here before I launch out into each. I'm going to limit myself to four uh, kind of things, I would say, per uh, per age span. In fact, but there's one of them you'll notice I'm going to repeat in each for the 25, 35, and 45-year-old person the same uh, truth, but in increasing levels of depth. Then you'll also notice that uh, they overlap. In other words, they build on each other. Uh, but the, in the sense, these four that I mentioned for each are priority developmental leadership tasks to grow in. And how much I wish I had a mentor who would talk to me at that age about these things. I'm going to also introduce a primary scripture, which I think kind of encapsulates the challenge of that decade. And then I'll pro- I will throw in at the end a couple of uh, thoughts for the 55-year-old uh, as well, because being 55 and going into 65, 75, and 85 has its own unique developmental discipleship task. So again, you may be a young leader, and I encourage you uh, to be listening to all the decades because you need to learn and get perspective. All right, so let's begin. What would I say to my 25-year-old self? Now, the scripture, I think, which so captures uh, the challenge here at 25, it comes out of uh, Matthew 4. Remember, after Jesus at his baptism, hears from the Father, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Uh the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. And, uh, you know, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. And uh, he shows him, uh, you know, takes him to the highest point of the temple. and says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And he quotes scripture. You know, God's going to catch you. Uh, and then uh, the third one about he offers him all the kingdoms of this world. Great success. Uh, and each time Jesus resists the temptation uh, in that wilderness, he categorically rejects uh, what the devil extends to him. So I think that's a great, great image for uh, everyone at 25. Now, so first lesson, first thing I would say to a 25-year-old is this. I wish someone had said to me is, hey, don't get ahead of yourself, get perspective. Don't get ahead of yourself, get perspective. In other words, you need patience. Uh, you can't see the big picture. It's not possible. Just think, if you're 25 and listening to this, just think of what you didn't know or see at 20 years old or 15 or 15 years old, how much you've learned in the last 5, 10 years. Well, imagine uh, it's 40 or 50 or 60 years from now, and you're looking back at yourself at 25, how much you will have seen by then. 
it's rightly been said, you can't grow old. I'm sorry, it's rightly been said, you can grow old without being wise, but you can't be wise without growing old. I can think of a number of friends of mine uh, in my 20s who were in a great rush uh, to get launched into their ministry career and uh, you know, started pastoring very early, uh, preaching weekly because they had an urge to preach, uh, but really got ahead of themselves and realized it later, uh, much later. There, there are so many gifts that come with being young, uh, creativity, fresh, le- fresh lens in the world, and seeing some of aspects of God and what he's doing. I mean, I, I, learn, I learn a lot from 25-year-olds today. But God's going to have you in difficult situations. He's going to put you into testings, uh, shaping you, forming you. Uh, for example, I remember being frustrated with a number of uh, leaders that I was under. It seemed like I was always under leaders that had their own sets of problems. Um, and I thought, I, of course, I thought I was more than I was, uh, comparing myself to older people that were leading or pastoring and saying, oh, I could do probably a better job than them. But really, the youthful arrogance. Uh, and so patience, uh, don't, not getting ahead of yourself, getting perspective, not being impulsive. That's why the book of Proverbs is a really important book in your 20s. I mean, it's an important book all the time, but, you know, texts like, you know, Proverbs 19.2, it's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. And the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, you know, Proverbs 18. In other words, to think, prudent people think long-term. Uh, they've got perspective. Listen, you don't know what you don't know, and you just can't see your massive gaps at the age of 25. So that's why listening to wise counsel is really important, not foolish counsel like Rehoboam did in 2 Chronicles 10 when he takes over the kingship from Solomon uh, and uh, he doesn't want to listen to folks older than him. uh, So he listens to his friends and makes a terrible decision and splits the kingdom of Israel into two, to northern kingdom and southern kingdom because he listened to foolish counsel. So, okay, number one, don't get ahead of yourself, get perspective. Then secondly, uh, at 25 years old, you want to focus, number two, on preparation and learning. You want to focus on preparation and learning. That's why it says in 1 Timothy 4, uh, 7, you know, don't let anyone look down on your youth, train yourself to be godly. And the image there is of an Olympic uh, athlete. You know, you train yourself, you know, prepare yourself. Um, you know, in my case, I did go to, uh, I was on staff with a parachurch organization I learned a great deal from uh, in varsity. I went to seminary, uh, you know, in my case for, for two and a half years, I ended up learning Spanish, you know, overseas. And, but anyway, I, you know, may go, you may go take courses or seminars or Bible school. Things have changed a lot in the last 40 years since I was uh, in my 20s. Lots of stuff's done online. So many more creative opportunities to be learning and getting prepared. But uh, you want to be learning. I, I wish I had learned. Someone had sat me down and says, Pete, you want to learn from some great ministries and churches or uh, find the best people to get past, you know, to get led, led by and learn from. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't always, I didn't do that. And I wish I'd known how important it was. I think internships are fantastic. You know, take the time to find great mentors, do an internship, even if you're not getting paid. Uh, and if you're being treated like a servant, it's okay, because that's what servants, you know, most of us don't like being servants as long as people don't treat us like one. Listen, you're a learner. You're getting prepared. Um, that's why, you know, desert fathers and mothers in the second, third, and fourth centuries, one of their most important tasks they understood was to disillusion uh, those coming to them for an easily acquired spirituality. 
In other words, they knew that helping young people get wisdom uh, began with getting them disillusion, that this was not going to be a quick thing. Listen, I'm deeply grateful that in my early years, in my 20s, at 25, I was, I was exposed uh, to the implications of the gospel to bridge race and culture and uh, social, socioeconomic barriers and gender barriers, uh, being exposed to the global church. That was a massive gift for me that was given to me. And if you're in a situation where you don't have that, you want to make it a priority as part of your preparation to learn and be exposed to people from different parts of the world, different cultures, different races, different social classes, so you can learn, grow, and mature. Listen, I never forgot Billy Graham, who I heard speak um, when I was in my 20s, and he said three mistakes he regretted. One is he didn't study enough. Secondly, he didn't pray enough. And thirdly, he traveled too much. Uh, listen, you'll never regret preparation and study, whether it's formal or informal. Third thing for those of you 25 years old, what I would say to my 25-year-old self is lay a solid foundation for your spiritual life. In other words, cultivate your personal relationship with Jesus with a classic spiritual formation disciplines like being in scripture and silence and solitude, living in community, prayer, giving, using your gifts, the importance of trials and temptations to mature and grow in character as it produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope, Romans 5. Listen, even through, again, you read church history, it's, it's, it's laid out over and over again how people like Evagrius would, would say you, you can't move on to higher things or deeper things in God unless you lay a solid foundation. And that the most important thing you can do for your future is to grow and cultivate your relationship in God, because you can't give what you don't possess. And what, who you are is way more important than anything you do. I, I wish I'd laid a foundation early on, someone to talk to me about the, lay, the foundations of learning how to not just love God, but learning how to love people. It was a huge gap, got me in lots of trouble. I wasn't trained in loving well in what I call them, what we call emotionally healthy relationships. I thought it would just happen automatically. That was the assumption. It doesn't. So you've got to begin learning some skills like how to have a clean fight or renegotiation, how to speak clearly, respectfully, and honestly, how to listen, you know, how to not do mind reading and assumption. That's why the emotionally healthy relationships course levels one and level two, you want to get started on getting discipled and how to do relationships differently in the new family of Jesus. And then finally, and fourthly is to 25 year olds is, is uh, wish I had heard this, begin to integrate your story uh, or your trauma into your personal following of Jesus and your leadership for Christ. In other words, you're, you're, you're very much aware you're leaving your family of origin, launching out as an independent adult, you know, connected to your family, but you're, you're like Abraham, you're, you're leaving and you're moving out into the world to God's purpose for your life. And you've got to begin to integrate your history, your story, your genogram, uh, how, do, my, your, how you do feelings, how you do attachment. How do I live in this new family of Jesus that's different than my culture and my family of origin? That is gigantic. You want to begin to that journey now in your 20s. So again, if you've not done anything or not done too much, you want to take our, our personal assessment. Am I an emotional infant, child, adolescent, or adult? Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. It's a 15-minute assessment. It'll get you a good start on where are you, how are you, and what are some steps you need to take uh, from here. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. All right, fantastic 25-year-olds. Let's move to what would I say to my 35-year-old self now as I look back. Well, number one, 
Uh, let, me give me, let me give a scripture, which I think summarizes uh, the great challenge at being in your 30s. From Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, where it says this, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. Again, it says this, in, in, in repentance, the Lord says, and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. That is the great challenge uh, in your mid-30s. Uh, but again, the text in Isaiah 30 is you would have none of it. And so you end up, you flee on horses and you're full of anxiety and uh, troubles. And But the Lord longs to be gracious to you. So that's the great invitation uh, in the midst of all the activity you've got going on in your 30s. So here's number one, four things I would say to 35-year-old self. Number one is this, you want to lead from within, not without. In other words, you want to lead from the inside, not your just your external gifts, abilities, and experiences. And in other words, you're not trying to impress or compare yourself to any other people. God's given you a life and you want to listen to the unique life God has given you and offer that to the world. So it's a very critical season to get to know yourself. And again, think of David in 1 Samuel 17. He doesn't try to fight like all the other Israelite soldiers um, as he goes up against Goliath. Uh, he's aware. Uh, he's a shepherd. He's got stones and a slingshot. That's how God made him. And he and he's able to charge Goliath out of his uniqueness. He doesn't wear the armor or take up the sword of Saul. He goes with a slingshot and the whole nation gets freed up. I spent the early years of my life uh, of leadership trying to copy other leaders, building the kind of ministries they were building. And I was overly sensitive to other people's plans for my life. I didn't know myself. I was into knowing God. That's what I was taught, but not by knowing yourself, not leading from within. And uh, I, I lost that sense of God's, God's image is in me. He's made me a unique, unrepeatable person. And I had really had an unbalanced theology of everything was sinful in me. There wasn't anything good. Uh, and uh, not having a, a larger theology of being made in the image of God. So again, I ended up wearing a lot of uh, false masks and false self in my, in my 30s. I uh, got myself into a lot of trouble. Listen, our calling from God comes from listening to him and then listening to our life. Because uh, God's got a plan for you. God's got a mission for you. God's got a dream for your life. And uh, he invites you to offer that dream back to him. And so again, my favorite rabbinical uh, Hasidic saying is, at the end of your life, God will not ask you, why were you not Moses? He will ask, why were you not you? So we want to lead from within, slow down, listening to God inside of you and how he's uniquely made you an unrepeatable image bearer of him. Number two, I would say to my 35-year-old self is this. You want to make adequate space to do the inner work to integrate your story, your trauma, your history into your life and leadership more deeply. Now, I said that to 25-year-olds, but at 35, you've got to make uh, even more space for this, much more space for your inner work to integrate your story, your your past into your present. Uh, my, your, your, why? Because your gaps... Uh, and holes in your armor are going to become even more apparent by 35, by the pressure. Uh, I didn't know how to be married. I didn't know. I, I, I understood skin deep, uh, how to actually attach to even my wife, let alone how to build a healthy team. I was insecure. I was sensitive to criticism. I wanted validation from other people. That all was going to uh, large holes and um, wounds and shadows in my family of origin, coming out of my history. 
Uh, and so I ended up birthing Ishmael's and having a, a birthing things for God that were not necessarily in God's timing. I was rushing. So at 35, you want to begin to do a deeper dive for sure and create space for this inner life work. I wish someone had really sat me down earlier on this. That's why I ended up moving um, into the contemplative monastic tradition Things like daily office and silence and Sabbath and an importance of a rule of life because I needed to slow down to make space. So I had time to do that kind of inner work and not just be rushing from activity to activity. And I remember it took me into a hole and I wondered if I'd come out alive because when you start looking at some of this pain, because who wants to look at pain? Who wants to do uh, lean into grief and loss and integrate that kind of material into our leadership and life? But as I was there uh, and I felt like I was sinking, a great older mentor said to me, uh, Pete, don't worry, Jesus, there's light at the end of the tunnel and Jesus is waiting for you on the other side. And so I wanna say to you, Jesus is risen. And uh, as you make space to integrate your inner work of your, and do the inner work of your story and your trauma and your history, and you integrate that into your leadership and your life, uh, you will find Jesus is gonna meet you there. Third thing I would say to my 35-year-old self is do the hard work of moving from simply vision uh, and goals to actually working out what are the steps to get to that vision and what, how much time is it going to take to get there. In other words, you move from vision and goals to steps and calendar. You move from vision to goals to steps and calendar. That is really, really hard work. Oh, gosh, I wish I knew this at 35 because I hated it. I hated looking at my calendar because I hated limits. Uh, I would add something like a new, add a new team member, uh, add a new service, a new ministry initiative, but I didn't think through what are the steps to actually accomplish this and looking at my calendar, where am I gonna find the time to actually do it? Because if I say yes to this, it's gonna mean no to many and many other things. It is really hard work to move from ideas and vision to actually what are the steps to get there and how much time is it going to take? Uh, this takes practice. This is hard. I, it is. It Boy, I wish someone had sat me down at 35 for this. Uh, you want to practice it and get a mature uh, friend or coach or someone older than you. I, I'd never seen it modeled well in my early years. Most pastors and leaders I knew were overloaded, overcommitted, and going beyond their limits. And then finally, I would say to, to that um, my 35-year-old self is learn discretion. Learn discretion. That's a term from the early church fathers. Uh, uh, and uh, in fact, unless you had learned discretion, which I'll explain in just a moment, uh, you were not considered qualified to lead a monastery. So you'll find the desert fathers and mothers talked a lot about this. John Cassian uh, in the 5th century wrote a whole uh, conference, a whole chapter, a whole conference about discretion. Here's how he defines it. Discretion is the ability to wait, to see what unfolds and not act. It involves the humility and patience to discern when to leave things alone, knowing when our interference will only complicate things. Again, I was always rushing, impatient, making decisions before uh, the time was right, and I went I went ahead of God more times than I care to list. From the times of planting a new church, perhaps, or launching a new initiative, the timing I went from my you know, doctor of ministry program, the hiring a staff, 
I birthed many things that were not in God's timing, and I couldn't see how God was present actually in setbacks and failures and disappointments. Uh, yet he was, very much. Uh, these were seasons, again, of deep transformation, but I hadn't learned discretion. If you've never read Letters to a Young Poet by uh, Rainer Maria Wilkie, I recommend it to you. But here's how Rilke in the early 1900s, this German poet, uh, speaks about discretion. He doesn't use the word discretion. He says, let your judgment or discernments come from deep within, he writes. That cannot, they cannot in any way be hurried or pressed. Allow every germ of a feeling to grow to completion wholly in yourself, in the darkness. Await with deep humility and patience the hour of birth of a new clarity. There is no measuring of time there. A year has no meaning and 10 years are nothing, but it comes only to the patient ones, that is, discernment. And he compares it to a tree that's going to give it sap. A tree has to grow to a certain place until the sap can be taken from that tree. In the same way, there's a process of uh, discernment. I'm, I'm calling here the ancient term of the virtue of learned discretion. There's a gestation process. I wish someone had drilled this into me. Pete, relax. You can trust in Jesus. Uh, let go of your attachments. You know, you're surrendering your will to God's will. And then be listening uh, to Jesus. Again, his timing. Uh God's bigger than you think, Pete. He's got, a, he's got everything in, the, in his grip. He's the Lord God Almighty. Jesus really is the ruler of the kings of the earth. He is the Lord God Almighty. You can relax. Good stuff. All right. So that's for you 35-year-olds. And now, what would I say to my 45-year-old self? What would I say to my 45-year-old self? And uh, the scripture uh, that I think summarizes one of the great challenges of being in your 40s is when Jesus uh, is in Luke chapter 9, he's resolutely setting out for Jerusalem and he sends uh, his disciples ahead of him to go into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people did not welcome him there because he was heading for Jerusalem. And so when the disciples, James and John, saw this, that the Samaritans had rejected Jesus, didn't want him in their town, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven? To destroy them, it says, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, at least, you know, this is Luke chapter 9, 51 and following. James and John are intoxicated with their new power as leaders under Jesus. And they misunderstand Jesus and his mission. They've got the wrong scorecard for success. They're really not getting it. They think they're Elijah from 2 Kings chapter 1. Uh, and uh, that they're entitled. And uh, Jesus rebukes them for that. I think it's a great passage for us because by the time you're in your mid-40s, you're beginning to, uh, you've accomplished a few things, perhaps, you know, you've got uh, some experience under your belt and uh, people are looking to you in a way they have, and you've got some power. The question is, how do you, how do you wield that power? And uh, James and John were not wielding it well. So here, number one. What I would say to my 45-year-old self is you need much more space than ever to do your inner work with God and yourself, integrating more deeply your trauma, your story, your history into your personal life and leadership for Christ. You need more space than ever. So this, is the, this is one has been in, I said it for 25s, get started, year old, 35s, you want to do more work at 35. And by 45, uh, you need more space than ever. Because you're transitioning now to be a spiritual mother and father in the faith. This is gigantic. It needs lots of space. Uh, so we're beyond Sabbath keeping and daily offices here at this point. Uh, 
if you've not taken a sabbatical by your mid 40s, oh Lord, you, you, how much you need every seven years or eight years, you need a sabbatical. The soil needs to be replenished a good for a good 14 to 16 weeks. Um, part of that should be your vacation. Why? Because you need to focus and get, you need to get separated your identity of, at, of your work from you. Uh, I did a couple of podcasts on that, on sabbaticals. Uh, you can go back and go to our, you know, look it up in the search engine on sabbaticals at the Emotionally the Leader podcast. This is life and death. The issue is not about leaving what you're doing because you often, by this point, you have regrets, um, but you're mid-40s. But what are some endings and new beginnings uh, in your own training and development at this point? You need some distance. You need separation. A rule of life that hopefully you've developed by now, uh, a structure for your days and months and years. You need more space to, to let God get access to you in Christ, your inner life, so you can get retooled. For your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Remember, your best years are going to be in your 60s. I meet many folks in their 40s that feel like, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I've done so much. No, no, it's time to step back and get retooled for your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And we forget, you know, for from you know, first, you know, sec, second to the seventh centuries, the greatest pastors and leaders, those who are referred to as doctors of the church like Athanasius and Gregory of Nazianus and Basil and Ambrose and Jerome and Augustine and Gregory the Great, they were monks first, uh, grounded in prayer and being with God and their leadership flowed out of that. That's why you need mentors and therapists and spiritual directors and excellent friends who aren't impressed with your accomplishments, who are ahead of you in the journey and have perspective that you don't because you do not wanna be too busy in your 40s. So again, I, I encourage you, if, if you've not seen, uh, you may want to get into these team transformational videos. You can do them individually. Do your genogram of your family of origin, an in-depth genogram. Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash team. Uh, look at that you know, genogram, your family, or, or developing a rule of life for leaders. Uh, I would look at that material. Uh, you, you just, you've got to spend time on you so God can change you. So that's number one. Number two is this. If you're 45, beware of acedia, uh, especially, along with, of course, the other seven uh, deadly sins. Now, the idea of the deadly sins began in the fourth century uh, with a guy named Evagrius Ponticus. Things like the seven deadly sins, gluttony, lust, greed, anger, sloth, sadness, vainglory, and pride. But acedia, uh, or, or what's often called sadness, uh, is what very... I know a number of leaders act on this. Uh, the pressure, the, the stress by now, you've had at least, by your mid-40s, you've had at least one betrayal that's knocked the, the wind out of you. Uh, you know, I remember myself, my failures were all before me. Uh, the feeling I'm going nowhere, I'm wasting my life. But Asedi is often called a noonday demon, the sense of listness, list, listness or depression. And so what happens Folks often make rash decisions because they feel stuck. It's a great temptation. It's like Jonah, instead of going to Nineveh, he gets on a, tr on a, on a boat, a ship, and he goes the opposite direction to Tarshish. Um, you know, I remember feeling I, didn't, I don't have it. I, I don't have it to lead our church forward anymore. I should just leave. Uh, I was the biggest deterrence and limitation for God doing what, what he wanted to do in the church I was pastoring. Uh, and, oh, Lord, Asedia grabbed hold of me. Versus... Someone just say, hey, Pete, you just, need, you just, you just got to get retooled and learn some things here. And you can. You can slay the lion and the bear just like David said. 
uh, and uh, I, I ended up doing some serious work by the grace of God and became a new person um, out of that. But development is very critical here that uh, you've learned many things up to now and you can get retooled for the next season as well. But beware of Isedia. And number three is a uh, word to you in your 45. I wish I understood this was stay with it. God is in your affliction. God's in your affliction. Receive affliction. I'm going to use that word as a gift. God's in it. Simone Weil, some of you may know the name. She was a French philosopher, 1940s. And uh, she wrote some beautiful things um, about how, you know, we don't easily give up, she writes, our positions or prestige or things that give us security in the world. But because when we're afflicted or in suffering, the veil is taken away. And uh, if we can love and stay with God in our affliction, we're, we're kind of hanging on a cross like Jesus. Um, it's an opportunity for union with God that can happen no other way because what happens is uh, all our full, our clothes, our, our costumes, she calls them, that we put on uh, are removed and we have undiluted contact with God himself. It's what Jesus did on the cross and uh, when we're feeling forsaken. So stay with God in your affliction because there's gifts in it to know God, to meet God, to be transformed in God and for loving union with Jesus. And then finally is this. Go outside, if you're 45, fourth thing is go outside your stream, your comfort zone to learn and grow. Very intentionally, you need to move outside your stream and your comfort zone to learn and grow. Uh, that was a stage I, I, I was very busy. A good, good counsel I got was get, get, go for a doctor of ministry, which applied for my journey. And I did it in marriage and family. It was a three to four year program. I didn't have the time for it, but I didn't have the time not to do it. Uh, Jerry began to spend a lot of time in the relationship education movement. You know, she went a whole learning she went on. Uh, I moved. We moved to learn from the Quakers, learning open, honest questions, and we learned from monks and and Roman Catholics and Orthodox traditions. I tried to get into their skin, uh, interpersonal neurobiologists and Ignatian spirituality, integrating emotions. I mean, focusing on being present to other people. I mean, I. There was just so much I needed to learn outside of my tradition, the Hasidic tradition, Martin Buber and. Um, getting to those underdeveloped parts of me, uh, going from a visionary to a thoughtful leader, I just had to get outside of my own comfort zone for that. So uh, I leave that with you, on, on, for you at the 45. But just one last word before you go here is what would I say to my 55-year-old self? That uh, you got a good 30, 40 years to go. You know, I'm 66 now. And I have people in their 60s and 70s say to me, Pete, if I only knew I wasted so many years, I say, no, no, you haven't wasted anything. God's prepared you to receive your retooling now in your 50s and 60s and 70s. I want, I want you to reframe your life in the sovereignty of God. You're like Joseph. You are meant to feed nations. So you want to prepare now at 55 and get retooled for your 60s, 70s, and 80s um, now because you're going to work till you die, paid or unpaid. We, we, we're God's a worker, we're workers. And you want to begin thinking about mentoring, about successions in the next five, 10 years. And again, this is very difficult and requires, again, the same theme of 25, 35s, and 45s. Remember that one consistent theme is create space for a deep integration, do the inner work for the deep integration of your story and trauma with your personal life and your leadership. That is the great discipleship challenge. So again, blessings to you. I invite you to check out the, uh, if you've never taken the Emotionally Healthy Leaders Personal Assessment, uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash mature. Take that 15-minute assessment. Find out where you are on the journey and get yourself started. And please do roam around our website at emotionallyhealthy.org. 
because that's this whole ministry has been launched called Emotionally Anthony Discipleship the last 28 years out of a desire to uh, get some of these missing components of leadership formation and discipleship out to the global church. So I bless you this day. You have a wonderful day in Christ. Blessings. Take care.